You're listening to the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. I'm your host, Arden Cartret. This space is meant to be a tool for you to feel less alone and to learn more about how to get through what you've been through and what you're probably going through. We'll hear diverse stories from women and men in the online space, experts, and people just like you and me who are feeling the effects of miscarriage and loss in real time. This is the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. Okay. All right. Well, I guess my story begins um, trying to have babies after the age of 30, um, really in my mid-30s, and that can present problems um, just when you try to have babies later in life sometimes. But for my husband and I, we tried for a year and didn't have any positive pregnancy tests. And so I started asking my doctor questions, thinking something might be wrong with me. And, you know, she looked at my history and said that everything looked fine, that I don't have any issues to look at an ovulation calendar and try to get pregnant based upon that. And so I did. And I kind of laughed about it because I never wanted to be one of those women having to look at ovulation calendars and that sort of thing. So my husband and I ended up after that doctor appointment, we ended up um, having a positive pregnancy test within like 30 days later. And we were very excited, just really shocked that, wow, you know, we were doing something wrong all along. And, you know, that was, that was really surprising to us because for a long time I had thought that maybe something was wrong with me and to find out that nothing was, is just makes you feel better, especially when you're older trying to have a baby. And, and so we were just filled with so much excitement and the look on my husband's face when we found out we were pregnant was just priceless. It was just really precious. And we shared a little bit of that excitement with very close family and friends because it just wasn't a secret that we could hold on to for very long. We didn't post it or anything on social media, but we did share with our friends and family. And within, um, I would say, a couple of weeks after that, my husband had to go out of state to train because he is in the military. We're a military family, and um, I was going to be scheduled for my first OBGYN appointment during that time. So I wasn't worried. I wasn't nervous. I was doing all the things while he was gone to take care of myself and the baby. And um, during when I went to that first doctor appointment, you know that there's a lot of excitement there. And... um, I was just really excited. Couldn't wait for the ultrasound just to see the baby and, and everything. But the doctor's office spent quite a bit of time giving me information about keeping myself healthy and everything before they did the ultrasound. And, um, so I got this big packet of information, what to eat, what not to eat, that sort of thing. And then we went to the ultrasound room And that was when I got my husband on FaceTime because he was still in another state with the military. And my mom happened to go with me that day. 
to that appointment. And that's my rainbow baby that you may hear in the background <laughs> from time to time today. But um, so anyway, we went into that first ultrasound appointment. And I could tell that the ultrasound tech, that something wasn't right. Something didn't feel right. We saw our baby on the screen and we were excited. We didn't really know what to expect, honestly. And then she just kind of looked at me and said, I'll be right back. And my heart kind of sank because I, I thought something can't be right if she left the room. And so I tried to hang on to a little optimism and try to just reassure myself. And she came back with a doctor and the doctor took the ultrasound wand and waved it around um, transvaginally and looked at me and, and told me the words that no pregnant woman ever wants to hear that there was no heartbeat. Yeah. And you know, my husband didn't really know what was happening. He was on FaceTime. He was like, what, what? It was just, I don't know. It's like the whole world just stopped spinning for a second. And I went into a wave of not just emotions, but panic and shock. And just, it was like my heart even stopped beating itself. Yeah. That's so hard. Yes. And to go back to that moment is even years later, because this was in 2017 and we're now in 2021, even to go back to that moment and think about it, how devastating to hear those words is. It, it just, you just don't know what to do and you don't know what to think. You're really in a lot of shock and disbelief. Not me, not my baby. You know, I had no symptoms before that day that anything could be wrong with our baby. Nothing. Um, I was working at the time full time and um, I had a little bit of a headache and I almost called in sick to work because I wasn't feeling real good, but I had no bleeding or anything. I just had a little bit of a headache and I thought, you know, I need to put my big girl panties on and you know, this is part of pregnancy, having the aches and pains and different things. And so I didn't think anything of that. And that was the day before. And that was probably when the baby started having problems because the doctor said it had just happened within the last 24 hours of that appointment. And, um, you just go back and you think like, what did I do wrong? What did I eat? How did I move my body that 24, 48 hours, weeks before, um, you just start going back and tracking your steps, thinking that there's got to be an explanation as to why my baby's heart stopped beating. Cause you're trying to, in these situations, you want an answer and sometimes you don't always get one. And a lot of women like myself, we blame ourselves and we, we think that we did something wrong to cause it, or we think that a miscarriage is a punishment maybe for something done in the past or something. We just, I think the reason we do this is because we're trying to find a reason to wrap our head around why something so tragic could happen to us. Yeah, I definitely um, can relate to that. And I know that a lot of other women can as well, even though, we, you know, we, 
we tell other people it's nothing that you did whenever it happens to you it's it's different it you feel like you have to find a reason and everything could be a reason for loss in your head yes you're right and not having my husband there beside of me which is a common theme for a lot of military spouses around the world was really difficult I'm so glad I had my mom there to hold my hand and be beside me but I wanted to just melt into my husband's arms at that moment I needed him so bad and during when things like this happen in the military world, there's a whole process that you have to go through to get your husband back home if they let them come home. And, you know, when you're in such shock and disbelief, you can't really wrap your head around all these other processes. But I was forced to, to try to get my husband home. And so the process for us is to call the Red Cross first and let them know what happened, the Red Cross, and give them your spouse's unit, all that information so they can locate them. They, the Red Cross then for the military will then contact that unit and they'll contact that um, commander to let them know what happened. And it's up to that commander of that particular unit, whether they're gonna let the service member go home or not. And in our case, they let my husband come home and we got him on a flight and got him home within the next like day and a half, which was great. And I can be honest that I never hugged him so tight as I did that day. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. And having him back beside me was the best thing during, during such grief and everything sorry that's my my little no, you're getting you're into totally some fine. um oh. go ahead no, I was just gonna ask um so once you know you had that the terrible news and you worked on getting your husband home what was the next step did the doctor explain your options and you kind of went from there well the doctor tried to explain the options the day I was in the office And I just couldn't even think straight at that point. So my mom had to kind of take over and be my voice. And she just got all the information and said, let us go home and think about it and let you know what we're, what she's going to decide to do. And so the options, as most women know that have gone through this are not that great. Number one, yeah, a DNC is like a forced abortion almost. So the dilation and cut, cuttage. So that was option one, D and C, to have the baby removed. Option two was to wait until my body went into labor to remove the baby. So waiting to bleed out and things like that. Very, you know, on top of grief is not really a way that you want to go. And, right. and neither one of those options sound really great, but we decided to go with the D and C because I didn't want to be sorry, (laughs) home alone, (laughs) bleeding out by myself or something. So, um, so that's what we decided to do. And, you know, walking around with a baby still in your belly is, is very, very hard. And I think beyond 
being a military spouse and not having my spouse beside of me during during such a tough time right away was the fact that my older sister was also pregnant and she had found out she was pregnant about a few weeks before we did and we were so excited to go through our pregnancies together so my pregnancy ended and hers didn't and and it was a rough year in our relationship um you know because mine had ended and and hers was carrying on not that I wished it on anybody but it was really hard It, it was really really hard and um I don't know the really the hardest thing about miscarriage is not only like finding the answers so that you can have some closure on the situation in your heart and soul but it's also how you decide to heal from it because everybody is different in their path to healing and everybody um just journeys through grief so differently yeah Do you have any advice for somebody who's currently going through the depths of grief of miscarriage that kind of helped you get through it? Um, In the beginning, when you're going through the motions, I would say to experience all of the emotions, like don't try to push anything to the side or down. You need to allow yourself to feel all of it. And if you've ever read or heard of the seven stages of grief, um, look that up and kind of follow yourself to see kind of where you're at in some of those seven stages, because you go through a lot of them. I remember being so angry at one time. Um, the shock, disbelief, and denial is is what I felt initially for quite some time. And then just being pure angry that it happened to us why us? And, and those are questions. Those are things that really will never know why it happens and why women have to go through something just so, so tragic. But, but I think once you get through it, just like in your podcast here, your story can help other women. And I believe that the pain that we have gone through as lost mothers is not a pain that doesn't have any kind of purpose. There is a purpose that you can find behind your pain and a way that you can honor your baby by helping other women who are, who have lost a baby too. Yeah, no, you're spot on. That's exactly right. Um, after your loss, tell me a little bit about the road to your rainbow baby that we hear. And he's so cute. I could just, it, it sounds like he's just like playing and just minding his own business. <laughs> he's trying. Um, <laughs> well, the journey to healing after miscarriage took some time for me. And, um, you know, one of the biggest things that my husband and I did a lot of was we poured our grief into a garden we built a garden and made it into a memorial garden for a baby and um that was so therapeutic just being outside it was a place where I didn't feel pain for a second I could 
put my hands in the dirt to build something with all of this emotion inside of myself. And it ended up being just such a beautiful place. And, you know, every flower that pops up, every single flower that comes up in our garden every year reminds me of, of my other baby. And, and it's a beautiful, beautiful, it's a beautiful place to remember him and, and the joy Mm -hmm. that even in his short, short life inside of me, the joy Mm -hmm. that he brought to us. And, um, you know, speaking of our rainbow baby, I can't wait to tell him one day that he does have a sibling, um, that is watching out for him (laughs) and, um, getting, getting to our rainbow baby took some time and getting through healing took a lot of time. It took counseling, building a garden, um, rekindling my faith again and finding my way back to faith. Um, a lot of exercise because when you're a lost mother and your body goes through a pregnancy, it doesn't always go right back to normal. So you feel and infertility and miscarriage take a lot of body confidence away from a woman. And I had, Mm -hmm. I had gone through a lot of that. So exercise really helped me gain back a lot of my body confidence and confidence in myself after loss. I, this is pre COVID too. Um, I trained for and ran my first half marathon and running that not only showed me how amazing and capable my body is, but but it also gave me back so much that miscarriage had taken away from me. Just belief in myself and confidence in myself again. And um, through all of those things, we found healing. And my husband and I, from the time we were pregnant with our first baby that we lost, we were not, we did not have a positive pregnancy test again until 22 months later. Wow. And, you know, again, I started asking doctors questions. I started seeking some assistance with acupuncture for infertility. And um, at this time, I was even older than I was the first time we were trying to have a baby. And so I had that not working so much in my favor. But I was living a very healthy life and made sure that I was living really healthy. And, um, everybody has a choice when they're trying to have a baby as to what, what method you want to go through to help yourself conceive. And my husband and I looked at all the options for us. And we just decided as, as emotional as I had been after miscarriage, that going, going one route was just not in the, was not for us. Wasn't for me. I didn't really think that that would be positive for my mental health to go a certain route where I might be injecting hormones into myself and stuff and stuff like that. And that was for me personally, again, every woman has their choice. It's your body and your journey. And I encourage everyone to, to look at what all the options are and really think about what you, what is going to be best for you and your family. So my husband and I, after not having a positive pregnancy test and really having hope and losing hope and just that letdown of a negative pregnancy test every month kind of put us in a place where we were 
you know, wondering if it was going to, if it was a path meant for us to be parents that way. So we started looking at other options of maybe becoming foster parents and adopting through foster care. And that's what we decided to do. And it was right before, right before the year 2019, it was December in 2018. And um, we were going to pursue that foster parent route the next year. And in December, we were pregnant. Very miraculously, we were pregnant again. Oh, wow. Yep. That is so, so wild. And, you know, I hear that so often and it always stuns me um, yeah, whenever get, it happens like that to somebody because you get hopeful that that's going to happen to you, but then you think it's not going to. And that's incredible. I think you get to a place after so much letdown. And after you've recovered from a miscarriage, you get to a place of peace with everything. And you think to yourself, you know, if, if this is meant to be, it's going to happen. If it's not meant to be, I'm okay with this other option here. And I will pursue that, which is where we were. We were at peace with everything. And the glorious part of, of our rainbow baby is that a lot of people were praying for us. People that we didn't even know were praying for us. And yeah, they had hope. They had that tiny seed of hope when we didn't. And if you're listening to this and kind of on this route to, to your rainbow baby after loss, find somebody who's in your corner who has more hope than you do in your situation. Because on those tough days where you're just losing your hope, you need that person. You need that pep talk. You need, you need someone who has bigger hope for your situation than you. And they will carry you through it. I promise. And when we found out we were pregnant after loss, we were excited, of course. But we were also very aware and hesitant. And that was really hard because it was different the second go round. being pregnant again was different when you have been through loss before you know that you're not you're, you just have a different mentality about it if you've never lost a baby and then if you have lost a baby a pregnancy you know it happened once it can happen again you don't want it to, but you, you know, you can't help but go down that route sometimes. And that's, that's where we were. We wanted to get care proactively this time and make sure that a provider knew our situation so that they could be proactive in our care. And, um, and that's what we found. We found a provider that was so proactive and even put me on some medication that is supposed to um, help with the viability of your pregnancy. And yeah. so I really think that that helped in the beginning, honestly, and just having really good care, having compassionate doctor and ultrasound techs who know your situation. And, and we explained that to them. And I explained that I can't go into an ultrasound room by myself, that 
either my husband would be with me, my mom or a family member or someone. But that was a big fear for me to go in there. And every time we went for ultrasound, I was very fearful, full of anxiety. And as soon as we heard our son's heartbeat on the monitor, tears would stream down my face every time. Tears of joy to hear such a beautiful sound that I never got to hear the first go round. I never got to hear my other baby's little heartbeat, not even once. I felt it inside of me, but I never heard it. So every time I heard a rainbow baby's heartbeat, I just, just tears of joy and having such a compassionate ultrasound tech was amazing because she, she knew how big this was for our family, how precious this life was. And no matter how much fear and anxiety I had, this baby just kept showing up strong just every time. And the first time I got to see him on the 3D ultrasound, tears just came through again. Because at that point in pregnancy, it was just, you know, every milestone you meet in a rainbow pregnancy, you're just you're just so relieved, number one. And number two, you get to a point where you let yourself get excited again. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what I want to encourage women too, is don't be afraid to be excited again. Don't be afraid to let yourself get attached to your next pregnancy, because I believe the baby can feel it. Number one. And number two, it's also hard for your partner. My husband was rubbing my tummy and talking to the baby the first pregnancy and our second pregnancy. He didn't do that as much until I mentioned something and said, I need you. I need you to show up and be excited about this baby and show the baby that you're really excited. Too. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. Did you agree with that? Well, Wendy, thank you so much for sharing your story with me. I feel like you have given so many wise words of wisdom that can help people in their miscarriage journey or in their pregnancy after loss journey. Um, a lot of really positive things to take away from our conversation. Thank you for having me and, and allowing me to openly share this. And, and I hope yeah. that my story gives someone out there hope who's facing loss who wants to eventually try again and and know that your rainbow baby as you hear mine in the background he's 18 months old now oh it's it's a beautiful journey to have that rainbow baby and and it's it's just amazing it's mir miraculous it is the only thing i can say about it and i wish it for every lost mom that they will know the joy of pregnancy again. Yeah. I am there with you. I always, and I can tell in your voice, like you're still so like giddy over your rainbow baby. And it, as if, you know, his birth was just the other day. And that's kind of how I feel about my rainbow, who's 13 months. I still have moments where like, I can't believe that he's here and mine. Um, almost like a pinch me I'm dreaming type of feeling all the time and I tell people that that feeling is so worth everything that it takes to get there 
Yes, it is. It truly is. 